Uh, so thank you, Megan, for joining us on the podcast here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So first of all, why is money such a scary topic for so many of us? I think there's a few reasons. Um, we're taught not to like it, right? So there's the first thing, and this is one of the things that drives me crazy, is that it's not taught in schools, right? So we learn about history, we learn about math, we learn about all these things that are important for our futures, but we're not actually taught anything about money. So when we graduate high school and go into college and we graduate college and we go out into the real world, we don't really know what we're doing. At least in my experience, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, And I remember getting my first credit card at a concert because I got a free t-shirt, right? So, I mean, I didn't know anything about credit. I just thought, hey, I should probably have this and I got a free t-shirt out of it, right? But it's just a, it's sad to me that we don't, as a, as a culture, we don't give um, kids and young adults going out into the real world the right tools to feel comfortable and confident with their money and how, how to think about it, how to manage it and, and how to feel comfortable around it. And the other thing um, specifically for women is again, sort of these cultural messages that we get, right? So we, um, and this goes back to something that, um, is historical, right? So it wasn't until, at least in the United States, until the 1970s that women were allowed to have uh, bank accounts in their own name. Mm-hmm. And women were not allowed to own property in real estate in their own name without having a male co-signer. And I think that that message into women's, for women into kind of our, 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 I don't know, our memory, our psyche is like the way that we think. And so the, the message is, you know, right. The more manage money because we're too emotional. Women are too emotional and women are not allowed to, um, they don't have the rational beliefs or the rational understanding around money to be able to do this quote unquote, the right way. And so I feel like that is a message, a cultural message that isn't as much as it's not there still, it is still there, right? Like it's not the same message, but now the message has been shifted to, you know, you start to see these memes out there about like women going shopping at Target and not telling their husbands and hiding things. And, you know, like women have the, um, women are the ones that have kind of shopping issues and men are the ones that need to kind of keep them in line and in control. And those messages are still there. And I think as much as we've made progress and, as a culture and we've advanced specifically for women, we're not fully there yet. Mm-hmm. So I think there's multiple things that, that kind of are, in, are, are combined interacting to make us be, to not like to handle money, to not like to think about money and therefore to make us ultimately afraid of it. Cause when we don't want to, we, when we don't like something, we tend to avoid it. Right. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. You make it, you make it sound like there's a control element. There's a secrecy element. There's a, you're not, you're not good enough. You're not capable of looking after this, this money. I mean, from my experience, you know, most of us were told that money doesn't grow on trees. So I have a a lot of guilt around spending money or, you know, that idea of of feeling responsible to others. Therefore, I need to be responsible with money. And, And I even, you know, when I'm talking to the kids, we're always talking about money doesn't grow on trees. And I wonder how much of that as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, 
you know, that scarcity mindset limits our potential and stops us from investing in, say, getting that member of staff when we need it or investing in a course to train ourselves to get to the next level. And I just wonder how much of this you see affecting your client's potential and progress and success as a result of thinking this way. Oh, all the time. And I think like the the most important thing is the awareness of it. I think so many people, uh, when they start to go into, um, well, you know, maybe when they start to advance in their careers or they start to, to um, start their own business or something like that, they think like, oh, well, and especially women too. I feel like women so often limit our potential, right? Because we think that if we can only if we can achieve this, then that's good enough. Cause we're, we're told to be good little girls, right. And do what we're told. So we're told to do enough, but not too much, right. Not too much. So I feel like, yeah, I mean, when we, I, I think if, when we have the awareness of how we're thinking, that's the first step here. But so many times I see this as a financial planner, right. I, I would see, I remember working with a client a couple of years ago where Every single time we met over and over and over again, I would run the finance, the long-term projections. We would run the cash flow analysis and we would say, you are absolutely fine. You're going to be absolutely fine to do all the things that you want to do. Take all the trips that you want to take, take the, uh, or, you know, give your kids the, the legacy that you want to leave. And this client could not get it through his head. Like he could not, like he was on the cusp of retiring and he still couldn't, couldn't really process that he was going to be okay. I remember saying every single time, are you sure? Are you sure I can retire? Are you sure I can do this? And I remember saying over and over and over again, yes, like you're going to be okay. And he wouldn't believe it. So that was one of the reasons why, honestly, I started uh, one of the re- multiple reasons why I started my podcast was because I was really intrigued by human behavior and just the way people think and, and what's going on there. And in that case, Scarcity was absolutely holding him back from doing what he wanted to do, meaning retire, go spend more time with his family, go move across the country, which is ultimately what he wanted to do. And, and he did finally, but I mean, you know, it's, it, it took a lot of like years, years of, of, um, convincing somebody. And when you are in that mindset, you have no idea how much it's actually holding you back. So from a, from, from, from a attraction perspective, like the money that you're going to attract and also just like how much the money that you're going to attract and then also the success and the happiness and the, the, the wealth and all of that, that you can attract. So I think ultimately where this comes from, right? Like there, like that, that client in particular is from a generation of scarcity, right? Like they, it was a child of you know, parents that were, went through the depression and they, that, that was just how he grew up, but that's not my generation. Right. And I still see that passed down from my mom and my dad. And I understand that I tend to have myself personally, I tend to have those tendencies. And so I think again, like having the awareness of those tendencies of what's going on is the first step and knowing that this is potentially limiting your, um, your, your success and your, like the, the infinite possibilities that there are for you and your life and your business and, and just your family and your happiness. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, that scarcity mindset would have perhaps prevented him from taking trips from, you know, taking his family from taking risks. Maybe if he wanted to start a business, it probably would have stopped him all along. So it's just not really serving anybody. 
to have that sort of but yet we do pass it down because we do think of it as a limited resource and I guess there's also an element of self-worth you know I'm I'm fine to spend it on the kids I'm fine to spend it on other people but when it comes to spending money on myself I feel guilty so I will have I will do without or I will take the cheaper things or I will not take that course or buy that new microphone or whatever it is for the podcast and I guess there must be people that you work with that you coach that you have to make see that by not investing in themselves they're going to limit their progress but also you know how do they know when it's okay to you know invest in yourself that you are worthy yeah so I have a couple thoughts around that so first of all um like you are like every mom out there I feel like I am the same way we put ourselves at the bottom of the list I mean we're just after Christmas here and I just remember thinking like buying my kids the stuff that I bought them for Christmas and buying all the gifts for my family and I'm like I would never do that for myself right ever um and I think it's that again is just a cultural thing that you know here anyway moms are it's rewarded for moms to be martyrs and to put themselves at the bottom of the list and everybody else first. And so again, the awareness that that is what's happening. And then also having kind of like a, some separation from that thought, from that belief, because that's a belief that everybody else comes first. Right. Um, I think there's a big conversation here around worth. And I actually did an entire episode on this and, and it really, an episode of my podcast on this um, around you know, why we don't advocate for ourselves as women and why we, you know, don't go for that promotion or why we don't negotiate a salary raise more than we do. And there's all kinds of stats, statistics out there around like how women versus men when it comes to this kind of stuff. But I mean, I think ultimately it's because we don't, we don't, we do, first of all, like I said before, we do what we're told, right. And women are told to be quiet, to do the, to follow the rules, to, you know, to do what we're told essentially and nothing more and nothing less. Right. Um, but I think ultimately it comes down to our own self-worth. And so if we don't feel like we are good enough for ourselves, we're not going to be good enough for anybody else either because we project that out into the world. Mm. So if our, if we feel like we can't attract this money or we can't do that job or we can't bring in that client, then of course we're going to be, you know, we're, we're all the forces are working against us at that point. Um, I think one of the easiest ways to work through this and to start to shift is to support, is to start by supporting other, other women. Right. So like this kind of may seem counterintuitive to some extent because, um, you know, I grew up anyway in a, in a very male dominated industry and the few women that were there, I felt like it was very competitive. Um, and I feel like, you know, with entrepreneurs, it can certainly be competitive to some extent because you're literally fighting for survival, right. And, and within the market that you're in. But I think if we have the ability to support each other, and to lift each other up during a time like a time like a you know time early on in your business and a time when you feel like you need the support, that's going to go a long way. Because women, I, I think, can't like we can't do this on our own. We need to talk. We need to be supportive of each other, and that that I think is a big help in us establishing our own 
under establishing and understanding our value and and therefore worth. It's a lot of inner work. So much, you know, it's funny, a lot of people that I will talk to on my show or will have me on their show say, you know, what are the financial tips? What should I do? What should I do? And I, I, I the, the, the angle that I take on this, the relationship with our relationship to money is self-reflection because there's so, I really don't think that you can appreciate and understand truly and value the financial advice that you're given until you can have a healthy relationship with money yourself. And that comes down to a lot of self work, meaning working on your worth and your value and what you feeling your value, the value that you add to the world. And then also the things that you value too, whether that's family or like um, whatever it is. I mean, it's personal hobbies, things like that. And I think also figuring out your values will help to align going to sort of the, the second part of your question there will help to align with the things that we that that feel good to spend money on so when you're saying kind of investing in yourself that's something that's really hard for women to do really really hard and i think being an entrepreneur adds a whole other level of of chaos and stress when it comes to this stuff but my advice here is tune tune in to yourself and really start to think about what matters to you. And, you know, when you're looking at kind of planning on like business stuff, so what is, what do you think the year is going to look like? What do you want? Like, where do you want to go? And I think this goes beyond just sort of like checking boxes. This goes beyond, this goes down to like, how do I want to feel at the end of the year? Where do I want to be? What's the impact that I want to make? And that I think is where, from there, you can sort of say to get there. Do I need to invest in help? I'm not a business coach by any means, but I think aligning where your dollars go with intention is absolutely crucial in order to feeling good about, in order to, to feeling comfortable and confident and worthy of having this business and worthy of receiving money as a, as a result of your services. Yeah. You touched on a big one there, receiving money, asking for pay rises, feeling worthy, feeling your worth and your value. Definitely. I can relate to that. And I know many other coaches and all sorts of people in the industry, certainly myself, you know, my first coaching clients, I wouldn't ask them for money. I wouldn't dare to engage in that yeah. conversation and say, this is how much I charge for it. And I, I worked for free for so long. So I can totally understand. It feels it. icky. If it does feel, yeah, we do have that. It is an icky conversation. I'm curious how how you have dealt with this, how you have transformed from, you know, that, you know, coming from a generation where money doesn't grow on trees, you've got to value it, um, and you're a woman, and having these cultural, as you say, these cultural expectations on on your role in terms of money. Is it because of becoming a financial planner that you have managed to overcome these things? What's been your What's been your story? with money. I have not overcome it. I'm right there with you. And that's the, that's, that's the beauty I think of my podcast is that I am not pretending in any way that I am an expert at any of this stuff. It's my journey. It's a come with me. It's a, I'm on this ride with you. I'm figuring things out as I go. Here's my little insight that I have today. Right. So when I, um, I, I work for a financial planning firm 
and I started, I'll be there about two years, um, uh, two years in March. And it, it was a big jump for me in pay, like a big salary jump, a big jump for in bonus and all of that. And I was offered this position. And I remember thinking to myself, I do not deserve this. It was imposter syndrome up the wazoo. And I, I couldn't even understand why this company offered me such a position because I struggled with my own worth, right? And I was also, I also realized a lot of that had to do with maybe culture at the, the company I was at before where I was kind of given the message that I wasn't good enough for that role kind of thing. And so I had to leave, leave that company in order to kind of get that bump up, right? But it was still, it was, it was really, really hard for me. And I still struggle with it to some extent. Like I make a good amount of money more than my husband. And that's also something that I think as a culture we struggle with. And I personally struggle with, um, and I'm working through it. And I think that there's a lot that has come up for me personally, um, about the beliefs and the stories that, I have embedded in me, right? Like a lot of that comes from messages that I was, I received from my, my parents, my grandparents, my in-laws, things like that. Have the awareness of these messages that are coming at you and, and separate them out. So separate them out from what's reality. And so I've had a lot of introspective work, a lot of therapy that's been part of this too, to, to help myself figure out like what, where, who am I? What am I doing? And how do I sort of feel good about this? It's not easy. It is not easy work. And I wish it could be a flip of a switch. And, and all of a sudden I would go from one mindset to another mindset, but mindset is, is a mindset is, um, it's an art, not a science. Mm -hmm. And you can't just flip a switch and just say tomorrow, I'm going to feel better about this or tomorrow I'm going to feel this way. It's, it's a, it's a journey. And I'm still on it. And, um, but I know that I know what, what I always like to think about is I look at my two little boys. I have two boys that are six and four and I see them and I say, you know what? They see mom working really hard and they will grow up to be respectful of that. And that's the most important thing for me. I just, I just want to have them see that there's a balance of work. There's a balance of love. There's a balance of play. And, you know, again, ultimately it comes down to my, my values. What do I value? I value my family. I value raising my kids to be good people. And, um, that's why I work and I do the work that I do. That's beautiful. I, I almost feel like, you know, money, this dirty word, this thing we don't like to talk to talk about, but ultimately it enables you to do so much more and we have such guilt attached to it. And, you know, you have achieved a certain amount of massive success in your career, but for you to learn to enjoy that and enjoy that with your family is incredibly important. And it, it goes so much deeper, doesn't it? This topic, like your podcast it goes so covers, deep. it goes so deep. Yeah. And that's why, again, like I didn't see any other podcasts out there like that. I saw all these podcasts about, financial tools and tips and learning about taxes and Roth IRAs and all this stuff. And that's great. And that's what I do every day with, for my clients. And, but there's, there wasn't 
anything out there that helps you get into the deep stuff because I really feel like you're still not going to have a healthy relationship with money until you work through that. So it's kind of marrying, like I say, I say, if I could go back and do life over again, I would study psychology and I would be a therapist. And this is my way to sort of marry those two things <laughs> and learn about my insights. And, and you just touched on it. I mean, money is a tool. Money is a hundred percent a tool. It doesn't, it has no meaning other than that. It's, it's a, it's a means to an end. It helps you get to the, it helps you get the things that you need and want in life. And until we, we think that we need certain things, we may not need those things. I also have an episode on needs versus wants that I find really, really interesting. Um, and ultimately it helps you to be able to live the life that you want. And I think so many of us women in particular, after we've had kids, we don't know who we are or the life that we want. And that's why I think this, the exercises that, that, um, I encourage you to go through are so important because we need to re-engage with who we are again. Otherwise we're just going to be on this treadmill and being confused every day and feeling guilty every time we go to the store or, you know, maybe sneak and buy some one little thing for us. We're going to feel super guilty about it, but no, like there needs to be, it doesn't have to be that way is what I'm saying. Like you, you need to be able to have more, um, more grace with yourself. This whole process too is, is all about, practice and self-compassion and being kind to yourself and knowing that you matter and you're worth it. And I think, again, you know, that, that tends to come last for so many women and moms in particular. Thanks, Megan. Thank you for those insights. I'm going to move on to our quick fire round for you today. So first of all, what's the book on your bedstand? Oh, um, Fierce Self-Compassion by Dr. Krista Neff. She's a researcher, a self-compassion researcher. It's incredible. Fantastic. And what would you tell your 20-year-old self? If you could give them one piece of advice. I would say don't stress. Don't sweat the small things. I remember stressing out so much at that age. And, you know, am I going to, I have to get the best grades. I have to do this. And honestly, none of it matters. <laughs> yeah. None of it. I might adopt that one. I think that's one too. Yeah, definitely. And <laughs> your most valuable part of your morning routine that gets you set up for the day. I know you're so busy with the boys and you're so busy with your work. What is it that you have to do that really sets you alight? I do. I like to do the um, the square breath. So you breathe in for four, hold it for four, breathe in for five minutes, whether it's laying in bed, whether it's just sitting on the couch for, you know, a couple minutes before the kids get up and there there's chaos. I find when I don't do it, I'm just more off and I try to, and you can still do it throughout the day, but I, I, it's, I like to do it earlier when it's quiet and I have some time to, to myself before the chaos starts. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds, sounds very calming, very calming. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So if people want to listen to your podcast, how can they find out more about you and take a listen to some of these episodes that you've talked about today? Yeah. So the podcast is called money isn't scary. It's available on all the podcast platforms, um, Apple, Spotify, Google, all of that. Um, and I also, I have an Instagram account. Um, so just follow me at money isn't scary. And I also have a Facebook group. So it's a mindful money mama's Facebook group. And it's, it's just, I'm, I'm trying to, create a community of like-minded women so that I, I, we can start to be aware more aware of some of the cultural messages that are 
that are going on. You know, the, I for, I share memes, I share all kinds of things like articles and things like that out there because I want people to rec- to start to recognize and realize that there's forces out there beyond us within our culture that are holding us back. So I'm just trying to develop a, a great community of like-minded women. So that's the, the uh, Mindful Money Mamas Facebook group. Fantastic. I'll get those in the show notes. Thank you so much, Megan, for joining us on the podcast. I can't wait to speak to you again soon. Take care. Congratulations for showing up and being one of the 8% that actually turn their dreams into reality. I appreciate you for listening and I am committed to helping you improve the quality of your life. For more resources, make sure you check out the show notes underneath. Don't forget to hit subscribe and leave me a five-star review. And remember, you are incredible. And if you dream it, you can achieve it.